We all have dreams, but dreams by their very nature can be difficult to achieve. That's where Access Credit Union comes in. Whether it's going to college, owning a car or building your dream home, your local credit union can help you to fulfill your dreams. Access Credit Union. Funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. On this week's podcast, we're dealing with the fallout from Killarney on Sunday and the record-breaking loss suffered by the Cork footballers at the hands of Kerry at Fitzgerald Stadium. In a few moments, we'll be joined by ex-Cork footballers Michal Hawley O'Sullivan and Dermot Duggan to try to make sense of everything that went awry for Ronan McCarthy's men in the Munster final. Later in the week, we'll have two more bonus Olympic podcasts as we gear up for the business end of the rowing regatta and Phil Healy's first appearance at the Games. So keep an eye out for those on Wednesday and Thursday. And Kieran, before we jump in to the football action, I just want to bring your attention to something. Obviously, we've been criticised for praising ourselves on occasion. But I just wanted to bring everyone's attention to some praise we received from the lads at Second Captains for our special Olympic magazine last week. We're going to chat to Kieran McCarthy, who wrote something in the water, how Skipper Ring Rowing Club conquered the world. Kieran's also sports editor of the Southern Star newspaper, and they've gone big this week, Murph, big. It's actually unbelievable. Because uh, like, they have Phil Healy as well from West Cork. So West Cork have seven competitors in uh the olympics this year yeah. which plus like, dominic casey is the coach should, should yeah yeah i mean it kind of just like it blows my mind a little you know um and i just think it's so amazing that in a, like a small local paper like the southern star has the chance to celebrate seven olympians plus duncan casey in dominic a casey dominic casey in a in a an edition of their paper two days before the um the, the Tokyo Olympics yeah. are taking over <laughs> Tokyo and this is in the Southern Star and they have every right to say they're taking oh, over Tokyo right. I think it's just absolutely amazing so I'm super excited to talk to Kieran a little later on because you know there are a lot of local newspapers out there and a lot of local newspaper supplements about Munster finals and Ulster finals and All-Ireland finals and stuff like that but I mean this is the Olympics <laughs> you know yeah, 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 yeah. this is the Olympics uh, and that is that is an unbelievable achievement it's very cool. Yeah, Kieran's going to be on with the editor of the Journal.ie and Olympics super fan Sinead O'Carroll. Okay, Kieran, that's enough positivity for one episode because what we witnessed on Sunday was the worst loss for the Cork footballers 
against their own old rivals Kerry on record. So after West Cork, sports fans had experienced the highest of highs in the early hours of Saturday morning with their rowing heroes stealing the headlines in Tokyo. There was a serious wake-up call 24 hours later when Kerry put Cork to the sword on a scoreline of 4-22 to 1-9. You were there. What was your overall reaction to the game? The first reaction is at least West Cork has the rowing, so that'll bring our our spirits back up, but it was it was a horrific day at the office for the Cork footballers, and it's just a matter of the collapse, Jack. Because um, Cork led one six to four points after just after the first half water break, and they were motoring along quite nicely, and they were causing Kerry problems. And fair enough, Kerry had missed a few goal chances that would have changed the complexion of the game very early on, but the collapse from just after that first half water break to the end of the game is, I think Kerry outscored Cork four eighteen to three points, which is. I think horrific is 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 an, an apt word. Like it was embarrassing in the end, a twenty-two point defeat to your your closest neighbour, your your biggest rival in their in their own backyard, and um, Kerry won pulling up in the end as well. So, as encouraging as the opening quarter was for Cork, the the next three quarters, I think it was a it really showed where this Cork football team is right now. I think it was a very harsh lesson for Cork to get. Um, it's worth remembering too that these teams are in. I'm not making excuses here, but they're in very different trajectories. This is a Kerry team that's built as the as this, the only side that can stop the dubs. So this is a Kerry team on the rise, and they're a really, really, really good team. Okay, I I take that point on board about the teams being on very different trajectories, and I know Holly and Dermot are going to go into that in a little more detail. But if we could just be shock jocks for a second, because I think I'm going to speak for a lot of Cork football fans when I say. We are, or that team is Cork. It's not Loud, it's not Monaghan, it's not Cavan. It's one of the great aristocrats of football in this country, especially when it comes to taking on their old rivals, the kingdom. So is there not an element of, as you said, it was horrific and there should be no room for excuses because Kerry are great. No one from Cork wants to hear that Kerry are great. They want to hear why Cork were beaten so soundly. And I think just to kind of give the alternative view that saying that, oh, this Cork team is on an upward trajectory just won't cut it for a lot of Cork fans. So just to play the shock shock, go on. Hit the me reality, but the reality is, Jack, this Cork team isn't a Division 1 team. They haven't been a Division 1 team in years. This Cork team was playing in Division 3 last year. Like that was their level back in 2020. So when I say about teams and different tra- trajectories, it's basically teams at different levels. Um, and we saw a huge gap between Kerry and Cork the last day. And that's the same gap that's between Dublin and Cork and the other big teams and where this Cork football team is right now because Cork are a couple of tiers below. And that is the reality. I know Cork fans want Cork to challenge for, for the big titles and all the big honours. And of course, every, all Cork people want that. But the reality is, and we saw it the last day, the Cork are a long distance from from that right now. Um, you see quite you, soon... You mentioned, you mentioned there was an element of Kerry almost winning, pulling up. And there was the feeling of that. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but you know that Simpsons meme when teams are hammering the other and it's stop, stop, they're already dead. It's almost like the Kerry players had some sympathy for what they were putting Sympath- their counterparts Sympath- through. Sympathy is probably the wrong word, but I just felt in that last quarter. Empathy then. Yeah, Kerry were running through and they just popped over points, you know, kind of. 
Um, I know Kerry fans would say they'd love to see a rootless streak and just get more goals, get more goals, kind of hammer more nails in, in the car coffin. But it just seemed to me towards the end, like Kerry emptied their bench. Um, they, they ran their bench and they were still tagging on points. Like Cork were beaten docked by then, like the game was, was, was well over. And that's a game that's going to hurt those Cork footballers, hurt the management team and hurt the fans. Like fans have waited so long to get to a football game. Two and a half thousand fans were left in there. Fitzgerald Stadium last Sunday. They had their golden tickets. Yet you could see some Cork fans heading for the exits kind of midway through the... Yeah, I was, I was taking half. notes, Kieran, and uh, while I was watching the game, just so I'd have something to say when we recorded this on Tuesday. And the first half, I nearly filled a copy with positives about the Cork performance. But in my second half notes, literally the only thing I've written down is Cork fans leaving after 55 minutes. And I think that sums up what had happened in that second and third quarter, as you mentioned. And if we're looking too for, I suppose, the true level of this Cork team, and we touched it after the semi-final win against Limerick, where that first half of the Gaelic ground was dreadful. It was a really poor game of football, and that was Cork, a Division 2 team, up against Limerick, uh, a Division 3 team. And I think the hope was that Cork could raise their game to give Kerry, a Division 1 team, a better game last Sunday. But the reality turned out much different. So... Um, I know there'll be knee-jerk reactions here and obviously Cork fans will be hurt and will be stung of course would be losing to your biggest rival and getting your arse spanked on national TV it's never a good place to be um, but the reality is that this Cork football team is miles away from being a contender right now it's going to take time to get to any level where they can they can challenge the likes of the Dublins, the the Kerrys, even the Mayos, like the, and Tyrones. They're all operating at a level above this Cork football team right now. So it's going to take a bit of bit of time to get up there. But what a painful way to be taught that lesson. Uh, there's for the underage success that has happened over the last few years and is continuing to happen. Those players that you you hope will come true at some point, and they need to be brought through. And and that's so so important. But that's right now for Cork fans listening to this. That's scant consolation because we're not talking about an instant remedy here. You're talking about, uh, and I know there's a Cork football plan out there, this five-year plan. I don't know how to read two or three years into it already, but this uh, Cork aren't any closer to being where they want to be. I don't think the headline for year three of that five-year plan was record a record loss against our nearest rivals. But uh, look, there were some positives, which I'm sure you'll touch on with Hawley and Dermot, there was that opening 15 minutes, there was that spectacular goal by Brian Hurley and two cracking points from Michael Hurley so far. And Sean minutes... Meehan, we have to mention Sean Meehan because the, the Kishke man was terrific. The, the, the whole day, but Clifford scoreless from play, but the entire game was incredible. And um, he, he is the only Cork footballer, I think, to come out of, of, of Killarney with, with a, I suppose, a positive... Um, uh, positive player rating really Brian Hurley was dangerous right in the first 15 minutes before yeah the... no I, I, I'd i give Brian Hurley a positive rating as well just for that goal alone that's everything that's good about Brian Hurley it's what Cork fans love about him he has that spectacular streak in him when it's going well so just for that goal alone you'd have to give him some credit like he, like, and he roasted Jason Foley in, in the, the, the they had to, they have to move they had to move him off him so like he, he did quite well but then like the Kerry management were so clever in, in the sideline. They made the right calls at the right times. Even how they pressed Michal Martin's kickouts was just impressive. And Cork were left floundering and just couldn't see any plan B, Cs or, or Ds there. And 
Like it's an afternoon to forget, but it's an afternoon that can't be forgotten either because lessons, big lessons need to be learned from this. And uh, I'd be interested to see what the next couple of, of, of weeks and months will bring. Um, I, I think what kind of hurts too in this year's championship, there's no back door for these Cork footballers. They'll have to stew in this loss for an entire winter. If you think back to last winter, Cork beat Kerry, but then very disappointed in the loss to Tipperary and you had to wait a couple of months before they, they got back in action again. But this will be an even longer wait. Like we're, st- we're, we're, we're what? We're still in July. So you're talking six or seven months before they even play the league next year. And this this last will be used as a as a stick to beat them with for, for some time to come. So you'd hope it will put a bit of hunger and fire in the belly um, for, for next year. But we, we just have to wait and see. And at least they'll go back to their clubs and the club scene will kick on and they get back into, into that kind of familiar environment. But um, there can't be any forgetting and sugarcoating what happened in Clarny either. Okay, well, let's not waste any more time and let's hear now from two men who really know what they're talking about when it comes to the future of Cork football. And that's Michal Holly O'Sullivan and Dermot Duggan. We're joined now on the Star Sport podcast by two former Cork footballers, Holly O'Sullivan and Dermot Duggan. I suppose to pick the bones over last Sunday's Munster final in Killarney. It was a day to forget for Cork, a, a record 22-point loss to the old enemy. Um, Holly, I'll come to you first. What's your what's your reaction now a couple of days on? Well, look, it's you know it, it, it was very difficult as a as an ex-player and having been there to to watch you know the, the, the second two thirds of the game more than anything else. We had a great hope for fifteen minutes. Um, but look at no matter what level, you know if you've been in charge of a team, we've all had days like this, and it's how how Cork are going to react and how you dust yourself down and how you learn from this and how you improve. You know, often you have to often you have to hit rock bottom and go to the bottom of the barrel to develop that mental strength and that drive, you know, to bring yourself back and, and, and start being successful and learn, you know, what it's actually gonna to take to be successful. And you know, the reaction will be key, you know, hopefully all the players will hang on and you know the the game will be analysed by the, the group themselves and by the management. And, you know, we'll go one or two ways for you. You can either lie down and take it, or you can come back redoubling your effort next year with mental strength developed and hopefully have, a, have, have another real go at them next year. Yeah, but like, like we know, like it, it, it turned out pretty nasty in the end. Kerry just ran away with it, 4.22 to 1.9. But let's look at that opening quarter first, because there was some hope there. Well, there was more than some hope for Cork. At, at one point, Cork led by five points, 1.6 to, to 0.4. I think Brian Hurley got 1.112 in that period. Michael Hurley got got two points. And Cork were causing Kerry problems, especially especially Brian Hurley. He was turning Jason Foley inside out. And then at the opposite end, the, the Cork defence was holding their own against against an all-star Kerry, Kerry Kest. So what did Cork do right in that first quarter? I think they brought um, huge energy to the game again, you know, which is what we kind of said they needed to bring. Um, you know, unfortunately, they didn't maintain it. But, um, the, you know, they started, as you said, with a massive fight, massive energy, um, great running. They were running from from defence. There were was, there was support runners. And um, they definitely had, a, you know, Kerry at six and sevens. But... I suppose, um, you know, after the first quarter, normal service almost resumed at that point because, you know, Kerry just kind of built their way into the game. Cork had a few stray passes that went stray. And then on the uh, Kerry seemed to turn them over in the break. Then, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, Kerry found themselves back in the game without having to do a whole lot, really. Um, 
And I think if Cork were never really going to maintain it. They had huge energy and, you know, on a hot day down Killarney, they were never going to maintain that. Um, and it, as it turned out, that's what happened, you know. And Hardy, that, that second quarter was when the wheels started to come off because I think Brian Hurley pointed just after the water break and that pushed Cork one six to four points up. But then Kerry just took over. What happened in, in that second quarter that allowed Kerry to take such control and dominate that game so much? Well, I think Kerry would say to themselves that they were very sloppy in the first quarter of as well. You know, Cork had numerous turnovers and got scores from numerous turnovers. But, you know, look, looking at the game, it was quite obvious that Kerry were trying to pressurise Martin and it didn't come off in the first 15 minutes. But in the after the first water break, you could see they pushed five in and cut out the short option completely, made Michal Martin go long. And Kerry, I think I counted on the stats after, I think Kerry won 13 long kickouts from Cork over the course of the 70 minutes. And look, if you are not, if you can't win your own ball around the middle, you're in big trouble. And look, there were, the flags were there during the league. You know, when Cork were able to go, when Cork were able to go short, you know, we were able to build nicely. But when we were losing our long kickouts, we became under pressure. Um, Cork went man to man. But then, you know, man to man is fine as long as the overlap isn't isn't created. And, you know, dear McDougan, there'll be good man to, to speak about the overlap because Island Rovers were experts at that. But, you know, when the overlap is created, man to man goes out the window to a degree then, and you've got to take the most dangerous man. And that was, you know, there, there were examples of that with the big league goal where all the cockbacks tracked their own men and were too late getting to Bigley before I got the shot off after running 70 metres. Another one was the Gavin White run that led to the Shawnee Shea goal. You know, he burst through the middle. I know there were cock defenders hanging off him, but no one got a decent tackle on him to stop. To stop. But, you know, Kerry's energy levels rose. They had more physicality, more fieldy ability in the middle of the field. They cleaned us out in the middle third. And we all know whether you're playing under 12 or whether you're playing intra-county senior football, you've got to win your own ball in the middle of the field to create any kind of platform. And you might say, Cork had no plan B. If you can't win your own ball from your own kick-off, you can have 10 plans. None of them will work. So look, you know, there's work to do there. And those you know, those flags were there during the league also. And, you know, when we came up a better, against a better team um, of the quality that Kerry have, you know, they were, uh, they were manifested even more. We signed those kick-outs for a second, Holly, and you, you've written about them a fair bit during the, the, the National League in your, in your column in the Star. When the car kick-out was going so badly, and you're right there, Kerry really pressed up. You even saw the Kerry goalkeeper, Shane Ryan, was out around his own 45. They really pressed up on, on Cork. What could Martin or Cork have done different instead of knocking the ball long time after time? Well, there, 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 there's no problem knocking it long. Like, there weren't that many clean catches. But Kerry were killing us on the breaking ball as well. And I don't know, is that a physicality thing or that Cork lost their... You know, the impetus that they had in the first quarter now where we were winning all those breaking balls and getting sharp kickouts away quickly. You know, whatever it was, either Kerry were more physical than us and getting in before to get that breaking ball or else, you know, we just didn't have the size and the power around the middle to be able to compete with them. So look, once the ball is on the ground, it's 50-50. Moran had a couple of clean catches. Jack Barry had a couple of clean catches. The Emmerich O'Connor did well while he was there. But... You know, like there are questions to be asked, well, why weren't we getting on the breaking ball when it was on the ground? You know? And that's just a basic thing. Just on that, Jim, as well, um, Holly mentioned there about, about Kerry's physicality. And Paddy Clifford actually mentioned it after in his um, in his TV interview when he picked up the Man of the Match award that Peter Keane had told 
um, had told the Kerry players that they were physically fitter than Cork and that would come true at some point. Do you think that, the, let's say, the conditioning of the players, that um, that, that had, had an effect on a sweltering hot day, it was really hot in Clarny the last day, and that 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 better Kerry conditioning told in the end as well? Yeah, I think you're right. But, you know, I think we can't go away from the fact that I think this Kerry 15 are much better than the Cork 15. And, you know, we can talk about fitness, we can talk about tactics and everything, but... When it comes down to this, Kerry, as individuals, these 15 are probably the best in the country, really. You know, they might not have the best team. Dublin probably have the best team. But from an individual point of view, Kerry are just better. They're just better players in Cork. So, um, yeah, like it looked like conditioning played a factor. But, you know, when you're chasing a game in, in a, on a hot day, eight points, nine points down, you know, the team that's ahead like always looks like they have more energy anyway, you know. So if the game is closer... Um, you know, two or three points in it, then I'm sure, you know, Cork would have gotten an extra lift from that again, you know. But look, we can only see go on what we saw. And it did appear that Cork's, or sorry, that Kerry's conditioning was better, you know, from a physical point of view, but also um, aerobically as well from a fitness point of view. Just on that, Dermot, like obviously Kerry have a, quite a good team there. How many Cork footballers do you think would get in that Kerry 15? Very little, being honest, you know, I'm sure there's a few would make their panel, but, you know, um, Meehan possibly on his performance, you know, Maguire would be there, thereabouts, Powder there, thereabouts, but you know, none of them would be certainties on it. And it's it's no reflection on, on this Cork team, you know, Cork teams have taken big beatings from Kerry over the years, you know, even when I was involved in, we'll say, oh, four or five or six, we often took, you know, 12 and 13 point um, beatings from Kerry and like, it was still the same nucleus of players that won all Ireland and tin and dominated for four or five years, you know. So it's, it's not a reflection on the character of the players or anything. It's just a simply, I think, at the moment, Kerry have better players. And, you know, we can talk about tactics and everything. But um, I, I just think no matter what manager was there, you know, Kerry were probably always going to win this game unless there was a shock of some sort and that Cork had four or five goals or something. But, um Going back to your question, very little probably at the moment, you know, and, and that would go for any other county around Ireland, you know, Dublin aside, you know, Kerry just have a very, very good team at the moment. Holly, we saw as well, I think when Cork saw firsthand the level that they have to reach if they want to get into that conversation for to be considered a contender for the big prizes. And I think it showed last Sunday, there's, there's quite a gap between the Dublin Kerrys, Mayo maybe, and the teams in the tiers below it. Um, if we look at let's say the, the Cork attack for a second, like I said, one five, one six early on, but in three points for the rest of the game. And Ronan McCarthy touched it afterwards. He felt Cork left chances behind him in the second quarter that there was some some bad decision making, some some bad wide. So um, if you're looking at it from that point of view, in terms of wastefulness and rootlessness, Cork have a have a distance to travel there too to to reach the carries in the Dublin's. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, like even from. And I, I, on my column this year, I kind of mentioned it as well, even from my, my experience of being involved in schools football there over the last you know, do, dozen years with Clan, uh, playing Cornivory and coming across Kerry schools teams. Like it's been obvious for the last 10 years that they have serious stuff coming through and that manifested itself uh, with all Ireland minor titles. And I know we have a plan in place and Conor Coonan is overseeing that plan. But I think we're, our, our development structure is just a little bit, bit behind where Kerry is at the moment. They're further down the line. You know, they have they have players developing or developed that have reached their senior team, whereas Cork are four or five years behind that. We have very good lads under 17, under 20, whether they'll, whether they'll uh, come through to senior 
remains to be seen, but they look they look to have the quality. So, like the worst thing about it is a lot of these Kerry players that have come through are also very young players. You know, like see David Moran there and uh, and Tommy Walsh are the only guys that they have in the wrong side of thirty. I'd say. Um, so look, you would be hoping that we can fast track some of those guys at under seventeen, under twenty. The likes of you know, I know Carbets have to pick you up an injury, and you know, he looks a serious player, and there's a good full back there under twenty as well, dear midfielder, and. You know, there are two, two midfielders, uh, Petty Hayes' son, Brian Hayes, and the and, uh, Cook young lad from, from Bellancolic. Look, um, not a big, big athletic guys that, that that could come through in the next one or two years. We, we badly need, you know, more big athletic guys in that middle eight that are able to compete at the top teams. You see, Kerry have a lot of them. Dublin have a lot of big athletic guys. You know, the, the game has gone, you know, it has changed an awful lot, you know. You have to have the size now, you have to have the pace now, you have to have the power, you have to have the football ability, you know, and you have to have seven or eight guys out of your 15 like Kerry and Dublin have at the moment that, that are going to have that. Um, with regard to our forwards, look, our forwards started very well when they were getting loads of ball. They looked very dangerous. You know, Kerry were a bit open at the back. Um, but when the supply dried up, you know, the likes of Brian Hurley and and, and Jana and 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 uh, Dan O'Donnell and these boys, you know, you're just struggling for position, and that's the same with any team. If if, if your inside forwards aren't getting a good supply, you know, you're not going to put the scores on the board. And I know Cock missed a bit, but you know, you were under serious pressure as well at the time. This is a, a, a nice, easy question for you, Dermot. But where, do, where, where does this Cork football team go from here? Like I said, it's a record championship loss to, to Kerry. Like it's at a at a low wave right now. Um, the players obviously go back to their clubs, which is probably a good thing to get back into their with, with with their friends, with their teammates, to get back playing club football and try and forget about this game for a while. But even looking ahead to, to next season, what, what do Cork have to do to bridge that gap? Is it like Hardy said there? Do do Cork need those under twenties coming through faster, kind of get them? Even though the likes of Brian Hartnett, Morris Shanley, Meehan, they've all come through and they're all doing quite well. But do Cork need more of those young fellas coming through? And just fans need to be patient for a couple of years and let these lads find their feet at this level. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think like there's no quick fix anyway in this. In this, um, you know, as I mentioned over the years, Cork have taken big beatings. Uh, maybe not as big as this record win, you know, of, of 22 points, but they've taken them. And out of all the counties in Ireland, you know, I think Cork has the best chance of bouncing back from it. You know, and um, they have the they have the population, they have the players, they have the tradition. So. Of all counties, I think they're best place for it. But you know, there was a lot of call even the last few days. You know, that Ron McCarthy must go and change the management, all this kind of thing. But you know, I, I think that's just merely scratching the surface. I think um, there's more to it than that. I think there's a couple of key things. I think the first thing is they need to get back playing Division One football, which is absolutely critical. So it must be a priority, whether it's for Ron McCarthy next year or whether it's a new management, they must try and get back into Division One for the following season because at the moment they're playing. You know lesser teams, teams, um, you know, the likes of, I don't know, down and different teams like that. And, you know, they might be uh, winning these games against Westmead, et cetera. And but when it comes to the top end, you know, Division One teams, they're, they're, you know, they're in for shock really because these teams are at a different, different level. So they have to get used to playing these teams and any players coming through from under 20, et cetera, they need to be thrown straight into that level and shown that this is the level that you need to get to you know, to compete for all Ireland's and Munster titles. So I think that's the first thing anyway, Division 1 football is a priority. I think the second thing then is, um, you know, Holly mentioned that the underage um, success, which is quite, which is, you know, it, it's been quite okay the last couple of years, you know, 
minor titles and we're always pushing Kerry close who then go on to win all Ireland titles. So I think what Kerry do much, much better than us, I think, is that transition from under 20 to senior. And um, I just take it back to 2011. Um, I don't know if you were at that game, Kieran. Uh, it was an under 21 Munster final. Kerry played Cork up in Porky Ring. Um, the likes of Kieran Shee and Aidan Walsh were in the Cork team. And uh, Cork won that day, that evening, by 22 points. Absolutely annihilated Kerry. So Kerry on their team that day had likes of Paul Ganey, James O'Donoghue, uh, Jonathan Lyne. They had a couple more. Peter Crowley, I think, was on that team, etc. But Cork beat him by 22 points. But yet, within about three years, a lot of that Kerry on the 21 team had um, all earned senior medals. So I think it's that transition from under 20 to seniors where Cork seems to be losing at the moment. So what uh, you know, managers will come and go, and these players seem to get lost. But I think there must be a real, real focus on the top five or six of any of these under 18 teams or under 20 teams that their you know a, a hand is put around their shoulder, and you know they're told that you're the future Cork football. This is what you need to do, and build a nucleus of these guys. And it just shows that like sometimes Cork put a, a huge priority on all Ireland winning teams, but like. You know, a team that might lose by eight or nine points, you might still have four or five excellent players on that team. So I think that's a huge priority that we bridge that gap between under 20 level and senior level, which is a huge step because at the moment Cork haven't been doing that. So I think they're the two things. And as I said, out of all the counties in Ireland, Cork has the ability to bounce back within three, four years. We've done it in the past, back in 2003, when Larry's uh, Tompkins' last game um, was involved, he lost, I, I think, was it Limerick and Roscommon that year? You know, teams who would have been Division 2 or Division 3 probably at the time. And yet, within seven years, they were All-Ireland champions. And even in 8 and 09, they, were, they could have been All-Ireland champions as well. So, you know, it seems dark and it seems gloom at the moment. But I think once you put a kind of um, those couple of things in place, you know, you prioritise those things. And I think Cork won't be too far away in a couple of years again. They have that ability to come back. What are your thoughts, Ollie? How does Cork football bounce back from this? I think, um, you know, patience is key. Um, in the present squad, there are, you know, there is a, a nucleus of quality players. You know, you have you have a nucleus of quality players. And like you mentioned, from the under-20 teams over the last couple of years, you know, Mian looks a class player, Daniel O'Manny looks a class player. Mara Shanley did very well last year. You know, you have, you know, we're not too bad on the side of the forwards, right? Or, or on the side of, of attacking. Um, we probably need more around the middle. You know, we need a big 10, a big 12. We need someone with Maguire. So we're not just looking at one area to put kickouts and, you know, give us more scope with regard to winning longer kickouts for more physicality. And all those things are there. But like you said, and like Dermot said, you know, Kerry won't. Conditioned, you could like if you even look at take Gavin White as an example. Like he looked, he looked to me, let's say between last year and this year, two years ago and this year, you know, he was a slight lad who was pacey. Now he's after bulking up. He's extremely powerful. He's throwing lads out of his way. He's awake. You know, he seems quicker in his in his pace than what he was. You know, the same with the likes even Paul Murphy. There was a small guy. Um, like Shani Shea and Clifford are the prime examples. Their conditioning for 22 and 23-year-olds is phenomenal. Now, I know there are exceptions, but, you know, the, the, the right things were probably put in place for them to develop the way they did develop. And look, if, if you take Conor Carbert as an example, like, I know he's got injured now to poor devil, and I wish him best luck in his recovery, but, like, even the way he's physically conditioned at the moment, at the age of 20, right now he's even 19, 
he's a big, strong boy in fairness for his age, and he's he's absolutely what Cork need there at 10 or 12 as well. So look, I think Cork are doing a lot of the right things underage, but as Dermot said, you know, we might have a few more long afternoons in Killarney before we'll uh, before we'll see see the benefit of all this work that's been done under 17 and under 20. But I think we, we, we are going in the right direction. But, you know, patience and time, I think, is the key. <clears throat> Ollie, as a former manager yourself, put yourself in Ronan McCarthy's shoes for a minute. Um, he was asked about his future after the game, and understandably, he didn't want to talk about that. But what's it like for him now this week and even the weeks going forward? Like, what's what's going through his mind kind of coming off the back of, of a defeat like that and even even looking to his future? Yeah, sure. Look, it's it's very difficult. And look, I've, I've managed teams, but schools and at club level where where you have taken those heavy beatings and, you know, you've got a lot of criticism for it. But look, you know, you've got to either decide are you going to lie down or are you going to kind of redouble your efforts and look at where you went wrong and try and uh, try and come back again next year and give it another give it an, another rattle and hope that the players will will buy in again. But you know, after, often, you know, when you lose badly, it's it's the management team and 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 the group that are associated with the management team that that seem to take the blame. And often, when you're on the other side of it, when you have a wonderful victory, the players get all the credit and the management don't get a whole pile of credit. So, look, it's a, it's a difficult place to be when you're in charge of a team. It's thankless at times, you know. But, you know, if you are involved, it, it, it is enjoyable to be involved with a team. But, you know, I, I think Ronan will take stock now for a while. He'll, uh, he'll, he'll take his time. And, you know, there's there's more than him involved in this. You know, there's he has a big backroom team who I'm sure he'll be, he'll be consulting with. And obviously, the player group. You know, player, the player group obviously. You know, players have a big say with regard to the, the go forward momentum of any management team um, in in the modern era. And you know, the, the, his his one year left in his term, I suppose the county board will obviously be looking at um, at his uh, at his contract as well. So look, I'd I'd be patient and and, and let him take stock and uh, and and take a few weeks off of this to to, to mull it over. But you know. It's not often the best thing to. It's, it's the easy thing to say often to just get rid of the manager. You know, we're not the Premiership either, like you now where we could just buy in more players and try and improve from there. But like the the, the knowledge base that that management team would have built up now over the last what is it four or five years that they've been there. You know, when you bring in a new management, often that's last. But you know, then if the under 20s go on to win the All Ireland, you'll hear the shouts on social media for Keith Rick and to be put straight in as. As, as senior manager, you know, he's doing a wonderful job where he is. Would he want to go in there? You know, that question is is there to be answered. Uh, Dermot, we, we can't uh, chat in this podcast about the game without chatting about Sean Meehan. That man was incredible the last day. We we spoke last week on the podcast about how can Cork keep David Clifford uh, quite the, the bright white light of, of, of Gaelic football. But Meehan held him scoreless from play and Clifford had one of his quietest days ever in a Kerry jersey and just got one point from play, one point, sorry, from a free in the second half. Just a couple of words on, on Sean Meehan. Like, he's a man who left Killarney with his reputation enhanced. Yeah, no, he, he's he's absolutely immense. And um, we actually spoke about him last year as well, Kieran. you know, in the game that Cork went up in Park Creek. That day he was centre-back and he was marking Sean O'Shea kept him very, very quiet, you know, and Sean O'Shea is probably the best in the forward at the moment in the in the country. So, you know, he had a different kind of job today. He was playing full back, or the other day, he was playing full back on arguably the best forward, um, you know, arguably the best inside forward any in the country, you know, and they did an absolute brilliant, brilliant job. Um, 
he's one for the future. He's one for the present. He's one for the future. And I think he's somebody, you know, you know, maybe this is saying a lot of him, but he, you know, in the mold of almost Graham Kent, you know, that he's someone that you can mold a team around. Um, him, Powder, a few more guys like that, you know. Um, it's great to see he leads by example and um, fair play to him because he's he's, um, he's still only a young man, uh, but, you know, he's playing with the experience of a 28 or 29-year-old. So immense performance and, and well done to Sean. Um, fantasy football manager here for a second. Any players in the county, lads, that you'd like to see brought into the Cork panel? Any any fellas that you've seen playing over the years who you think are, are good enough to be worth a shot that could add something to the to, to the Cork panel going forward? Well, I suppose if if we if we had no hurling, we'd probably have a better football team. After <laughs> the chat of Kieran Kingston about that, if, if is it the likes of David Cahillan and fellas like that, do you think is it maybe his time is prob- probably gone? But are are there players out there that that are good enough to be on this Cork senior football panel? Obviously, the management have scoured the county and they brought in who they consider to to be the best. Um, but are, are there any players that, that you think could be worth even a look at? Because I'm thinking in terms of size and physicality and stuff, is there, are, are there fellas out there that, that Cork need to look at? Well, I suppose I, I, I said early on the year that I, I thought there was more than Tom Clancy from Clan. You know, like he's still only the same age as General Rook and those boys and he's a big physical guy, you know, look, he'd have to commit and and, and, and really train hard, but he, he, he definitely brings a bit of size and physicality. And if you take another example, like Sean O'Donoghue there, who plays uh, cornerback on the hurling team, he captained Cork to an uh, under-21 monster title, I think about three or four years ago, if I'm right. I'd have to check that now again. But look, the likes of him and the physicality and pace that he has, you can see it in the hurling. There is obviously a last of the football. But look, that's, that's been going on forever and a day in, in, in Cork football, where you have fellas that are hurlers, that are also very good footballers and choose, hurler, choose hurling. But I think with the whole development squad structure, they're not missing too many. You know what I mean? Like they're not missing out on too many players. Obviously, players make the choice either, you know, maybe give up a few years earlier or go up playing hurling. But I think even the late developers, you know, they are being watched out for. Um, there seems to be more of an emphasis now with our 17s and our 20s to try and, you know, the, the bigger physical pace your player. There seems to be more of them on the 17 and, and 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 the 20 teams, and they're the type of player that we 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 badly need at the moment. And finally, dear, but, um, we've talked about here, obviously, a, a horrific day for this Cork football team. But patience is needed to bring these young fellas through. We're talking about the under-17s, the under-20s. But patience is in short supply and fans. We're living in a day of instant messaging, instant coffee, instant everything. Um, what would you say to the, to the Cork fans out there that are just kind of like they're calling for people's heads and they want this happened and, and that happened, that they don't, that they're not ready to be patient for, for this Cork team to enjoy success? What would you... What would you say to those to those fans? Just be patient because you know there, there's there's no other way around it. Um, you don't come from losing the carry by twenty two points to winning a monster title or all or in the following year. You know you might win a monster title because it's a one off game. Maybe generally it's a one off game, not always, but um, you might win a monster title. But in general you don't. And like they are calling for Ron McCarthy's head, and you know they're. There's, there's names being bended about, as, as Michal said, like, you know, Keith Ricken, um, people even mentioning Jimmy McGuinness, all these kind of people, you know, and, and I think even if you had Jimmy McGuinness, uh, Jim Gavin and Mick O'Dwyer in the sideline, you know, they wouldn't have done made a difference the last day because I come back to the point again, Cork players at the moment, they're probably not at a level of carry. So, you know, um, it's patience. Um, I think it doesn't take too long to get there. It takes a, a number of years. 
um, but, and they can get there. But I think, as we all said, there are good players in that Cork panel. When you're looking in on a defeat like that, you wouldn't think so. But, I mean, we've been here before, you know, even all our winning players have had defeats like that. And when you look at take games in isolation like that, they look like poor players, but they're not. They're much, much better than that, you know. Um, so I think if you can augment that, uh, a core nucleus of the team that is there with these new players coming through from maybe under 20 level, then within a couple of years, you can start to close that gap. Um, but I think, going back to your question again, um, it's patience. It has to be, this is not a, a quick, you know, a sticky plaster kind of job where you can bring in a manager and suddenly it'll all be perfectly rosy in 12 months. It's going to take two years, three years, four years, even five years, you know, before we're dying at the top table again, you know, and playing the likes of Tyrone, Dublin, Kerry, all these teams, back where we belong essentially, you know, but it's definitely going to take time. You don't come from 22 points down to, you know, suddenly winning all Irons or competing in all Ireland finals. I'll leave the final word to you, Holly. Can Cork bridge that gap? Well, look, we've... We, 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 as as Dearman said, we we have been there in the past before, where you know, this this type of thing has happened, and we've we've taken heavy defeats, even to the extent of today. But look, we're a footballing county; these things always go in cycles. You know, they said a number of years back, and even last year, that Dublin could go on and win ten in a row. Now, all of a sudden, you even hear Kieran wheeling there, and and the Sunday game saying there are doubts. You know, the teams are getting closer to them all of a sudden because they've lost the strong bench that they have with retirements. You know. You saw their under twenties were beaten by Offaly uh the middle of last week. You know, so is that with all the coaching power and, 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 and monetary power that they have, is that constant um supply of good players going to be there for them even? You know? So look, I, I, I think Cork are doing a lot of the right things with regard to development. Um I think we will come again. You know, we're a big county. I was a a, a, a powerful football county and a pro football county. And I think um, I think there there is a group there that can do an awful lot for football in the next four or five years. Great stuff, lads. Thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm Fiona Kangataran, and I'm an illustrator from Kinsale. During lockdown, wanting to keep myself busy and just having a mad year, I felt like I needed to do something different. And I actually went back and picked up an old hobby where it left off. And it was a passion of mine since I was a kid. It was drawing. I made personalised cards for each and every one of my friends as each and every birthday and celebration and event that got cancelled, postponed or just something that we couldn't meet up in person to celebrate and I wanted it to mark something special that not just that I remembered the date but just that I see them and I love them and I care and of course I miss them so much and I think we're all going through that all at the same time and so when I shared those images online it resonated with so many people and I didn't realize the positive impact that it would have and it was really powerful and it was this immediate validation that I was doing something right that that this was a sign of where I should be taking my my own career and then when Access Credit Union approached me about their funding dreams campaign it just felt like fate and they wanted their community to be represented they wanted people to be seen and they wanted to bring people together. And that's what the credit union does. And I just couldn't be prouder to be a part of this project. And at the same part time, it's actually made my dream come true of being a paid illustrator. So I couldn't be more grateful that it's going in this direction. Kieran, before we wrap things up on this edition of the Star Sport podcast, I just want to quickly mention that we will have two more podcasts out later in the week. One of those will be with Joan Healy, sister to Phil, 
and Kieran spoke to Joan in depth about Phil's three events at the Olympics and what her ambitions are for the overall games. We're also going to be reflecting on the Tokyo regatta as it's now known after Paul's quotes in a pre-Olympics press conference. So we'll reflect on the performance of all the skibbering rowers at the Olympics. So that will be available later this week as well. Hopefully we'll have a few medals to celebrate. But Kieran, the Southern Star sports section rolls on. There's another edition this Thursday. So what can readers look forward to when they pick it up? There's something for everyone, as usual, of course, the, the Olympics will get pride of place with Phil Healy kicking off her Olympics on Friday. And of course, the rowers are doing great things in Tokyo as we speak. Obviously, too, there's fallout from, from Cork's Munster final loss to, to Kerry. So check it out to read Holly O'Sullivan's column, The Inside Track, where he, he gives his thoughts where it all went wrong for the Cork footballers. On a positive note for Cork football, the Cork under-20s won the Munster title last week. And it was a Newstone man, David Buckley, who was man of the match. He kicked 10 points as Cork beat Tipperary. And those Cork under-20s are out against Offaly in an All-Ireland semi-final this weekend. Um, we also have news of the Cork ladies football team, the Cork Camogie team, the Cork Hurlers as well. The Cork Hurlers will play Dublin this weekend. Keeping it a bit more local, we have a great interview with Johnny Kelly, Dunmanway Towns, um, Cup, Beamish Cup winning captain who scored a winning goal two minutes from time recently at Turner's Cross. So Joe McCarthy caught up with Johnny Kelly. And Jack, he's only 25 years of age, but Johnny has won four Beamish Cups already. He's he's racking up quite a collection there. So four Beamish Cups with two different teams. And his last one was as captain with the winning goal two minutes from time. So if you want for to win the worth, Cup, I'm, For what it's worth, I'm 30 years old. I've never even won a round of the Beamish Cup. Never mind four medals. So yeah, congratulations to Johnny Kelly. So that's, that's where we're picking up. And we also have a very interesting piece um, about an athlete called Tom Wood, who I'd never heard of before, but he is the original Inneskeen Athletics Trailblazer. This is a very good piece by Tom Lyons, who tells the story of Tom Wood, who 125, 130 years ago was twice crowned the All-Ireland Athletics Champion. So we have the Berlin bullet from that neck of the woods now. But she's continuing the legacy that was set by Tom Wood 120, 130 years ago. So it's a really interesting piece. It goes back to Tom Wood and his athletics career. And this man, this West Cork man, was the best in the business when it came to Irish athletics at the time. So it's 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 well worth reading this. And it's very timely too, considering that Phil Healy will be in action later in the week. And obviously we've we've the usual stuff, the road bowling, the, the school by soccer, the motorsport and all that. So as you can see, Jack, it's packed. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to reading that. And do we have a nickname for Tom Wood? Yes, the Enniskeen Energizer. The, the, right, I, I'm drawing blanks. Come on, you're the sports editor. Do we have we have the Balanine Bullet. Now we need the Enniskeen. Uh, we, we, we've terrific Tom. Terrific <laughs> Tom. Okay, yeah. It it's just as doesn't, good as I, I can quote, but no, no, we'll have to get something to That just doesn't take into account where he's from. So uh, we're going to have to come back to that one. So watch this space. If anyone has a good name we could give to Tom Wood, the Enniskeen something or other. He's a very fast man. So get in contact. Sport at southernstar.ie. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week with a regular one. But as I said, two more Olympic podcasts to come later in the week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tomala.